I'd like to take a moment to let you all know about a new nonprofit organization started by my brother Craig. It's called Treats and Truth. They fill oversized brown lunch bags with snack items, chips, crackers, popcorn, cookies, etc. Also, a bottle of water, toothbrush, toothpaste, sanitary wipes, and most importantly, a small gospel tract book of John. No cigar? I'll have to talk to him about that. The bags are then hand-delivered to the homeless and people in need in and around the Los Angeles area. Let's help get this ministry off the ground. They're a 501c3 tax-exempt organization, so any and all donations are tax-deductible and greatly appreciated. Visit their website at treatsandtruth.org. Check out the show notes for the link. Also, please follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. Welcome to episode 68 of the Burning Bush Podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Hope you're doing well. Glad you decided to uh, listen to the podcast this week, where I am smoking the Aging Room Solera Maduro in the uh, Fantastico Toro 5.5 by 54 Vitola. So let's go ahead and head over to the uh, Altidus website who distributes the Aging Room cigars and see what they have to say. Aging Room Solera Maduro, a cigar aged like no other, featuring a San Andres Maduro wrapper. The Solera method of aging has been used for centuries in the making of wine, sherry, rum, and brandy. Now for the first time, we are using the Solera system by combining different vintages of tobacco at different stages of the aging process to obtain a fuller flavor and more complex cigar. This cigar features a San Andreas Maduro wrapper, as they said in the first line. Um, so the origin is Dominican. Wrapper is San Andreas Maduro, and the binder and filler are both Dominican. And the Vitolas are the Festivo Four and five sevenths by fifty-two. The Fantastico, which is what I'm smoking, is five and three fifths by fifty-four, and the Fanfare is six and an eighth by fifty-seven. That's the Aging Room Solera Maduro. Now that we've taken care of this week's cigar business, let's go ahead and jump back into Chapter Four of Dr. Justin Bass's book, The Bedrock of Christianity. The uh, title of this week's section is He Was Buried. What happened to Yohanan after he gave his last breath hanging from that Roman cross? Josephus testifies that in some cases, Jews were taken down from the cross and buried. The Jews used to take so much care of the burial of men that they took down those who were condemned and crucified and buried them before the going down of the sun. 
Jewish Wars 4.317. Jewish philosopher Philo of Alexandria, 20 BC to AD 50, also testifies to this burial process for crucified Jews, especially on the eve of a holiday such as Passover. On the eve of a holiday of this kind, people who have been crucified have been taken down and their bodies delivered to their relatives because it was thought well to give them burial and allow them ordinary rites. Flaccus, 83-84. to Since we have discovered Jehoanan's bones in an ossuary in Jerusalem, it seems that what Josephus and Philo said above was true of at least his situation. His body was taken down from the cross, and he was buried in some way, perhaps by his family or friends. Later, his bones were preserved in the ossuary that was discovered in the 20th century. In contrast, Martin Hengel says that most non-Jewish criminals and rebels who were crucified in the ancient world were probably either thrown in some ditch or left to be eaten by the dogs. Crucifixion was exaggerated further by the fact that quite often its victims were never buried. It was a stereotyped picture that the crucified victims served as food for wild beasts and birds of prey. In this way, his humiliation was made complete. What then happened to Jesus' body? Was he left to be eaten by wild dogs? This is exactly what John Dominic Crossan believes happened. Or was he given a proper burial in a tomb on the eve of Passover? What exactly happened to Jesus' body after it was taken down from the cross, along with the discovery of the empty tomb three days later, are not considered bedrock facts. While many scholars agree with the creedal tradition that Jesus received some kind of burial, others entertain wild theories such as Crossan's idea that Jesus' corpse was consumed by dogs. For this reason, we cannot consider the burial or the empty tomb among the bedrock facts. On the other hand, let us still explore the background of this ancient phrase, and he was buried, 1 Corinthians 15, 4a, along with the later empty tomb traditions. That Jesus was buried and that the women found his tomb empty three days later is not a bedrock fact, only means it does not meet the high bar of 99% of scholars' affirmation, but that does not mean these events are not historical. There are good reasons to believe Jesus was buried just as the ancient creed testifies. First, the Gospels testify unanimously that a ruling member of the Jewish council, or Sanhedrin, Mark 15, 1 and 43, Joseph of Arimathea courageously asked Pilate for Jesus' body and buried him in his new tomb, Mark 15, 42 through 47, Matthew 27, 57 through 61, Luke 23, 50 through 55, and John 19, 38 through 42. Second, 
The early sermons of Acts are another source that preserves possibly another burial tradition. Paul is recorded as saying in a synagogue sermon, When they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. Acts 13, 29-30 The one possible difficulty between the Acts tradition and the Gospels is that it is unclear who the they were who took Jesus' body down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. However, when we look at it closely, it is not much of a difficulty after all. It is virtually unanimous among scholars, a bedrock fact, that whoever wrote the Gospel of Luke also wrote Acts. So even if Acts 13 preserves a separate tradition concerning the burial of Jesus, it seems incredible that the author thought someone different from Joseph of Arimathea carried Jesus' body down from the cross. See Luke 23.53, which states that Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus' body down and wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid him in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever lain. Would a rich man such as Joseph not have servants to help him take Jesus' body down from the cross? Does anyone imagine Joseph climbing up there and carrying Jesus down by himself? It seems reasonable to conclude the they in Acts 13.29 were Joseph and his servants. What about the testimony in our earliest creedal tradition, 1 Corinthians 15, 3-7, and that he was buried? Does this brief account support the stories in the Gospels concerning Joseph of Arimathea and the empty tomb narratives? It is likely, but not historically certain. First and foremost, the creedal tradition seems to be giving definitive evidence that Jesus did indeed die in the same way that the list of appearances is giving definitive evidence that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. It may also imply a proper burial in some kind of tomb. Of the eleven occurrences of this word for buried in the New Testament, in most cases a proper burial in a tomb is assumed See Matthew 8:21-22, Luke 9:59-60, Luke 16:22, and Acts 2:29. This is also true when this word is used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Genesis 35:8 and 19, Numbers 20:1, Deuteronomy 10:6, Judges 10:2 and 5, 12, 7, 10, 12, and 15, and see also Josephus, Jewish Wars, 4.317, and Antiquities, 4.78, and 8.264. The reference to King David's tomb in Acts is a most interesting parallel to 1 Corinthians 15, 4a, because the exact phrase, kai etafe, 
and he was buried is used. And then his tomb is mentioned right after. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Acts 2.29 It is possible that Jesus' tomb was assumed in the words, and he was buried. In addition, Paul echoes this creedal death, burial, and resurrection language when he discusses the Christian's back baptism in Romans 6, 3-4. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Paul sees the Christian reenacting the historical death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus when he or she is baptized into water. This implies a proper burial that the Christians in Rome no doubt gave to fellow believers who had died. In the same way as believers' graves would be empty after they physically rose from the dead at the general resurrection, so was Jesus' burial place empty after he was raised from the dead. Last, the Greek word for he was buried, etaphe, is in the passive form, meaning he was buried by someone. Even though it does not say it explicitly, Everyone agrees that the first phrase, Christ died, implies under Pontius Pilate. Therefore, it may have been originally understood that he was buried implies by Joseph of Arimathea. But we can't be sure. All in all, while it does not meet the 99% threshold of a bedrock fact, it is reasonable to conclude with our earliest and multiply attested sources that say Jesus was given a proper burial in a tomb after his crucifixion. That's the end of this week's reading of chapter 4 of The Bedrock of Christianity by Dr. Justin Bass. Don't forget to check the show notes for the link to Dr. Bass's website where you can pick up copies of his books and check out his YouTube page. And also the Treats and Truth Ministry where you can help out the homeless. And as well as GroundworksMinistries.com for daily Bible studies and devotionals. And as always the Burning Bush Podcast Merchandise Store where you can pick up some things to help spread the word about the show. And I would appreciate it if you would tell your friends. So until next week, have a great day, have a great cigar, and God bless.